The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We'll stick with the broadcasting industry. Matter is arguably much more serious, though, because as you would have heard in the news headlines, RTE back in front of the Public Accounts Committee today with admissions that they are likely to be insolvent as early as spring if more support is not given. Fiona Doyle O'Neill is with me, a legal historian at the School of History in UCC and a former member of the Future of Media Commission, as is Trevor Keegan, his chair of the RTE sub-branch of the NUJ. Uh, Trevor, you are welcome to studio. Thank you. Um, what is the mood amongst your colleagues in RTE, given what you've been listening to today and the story that's emerged as well over the last couple of days of a redundancy scheme looming at some point in the horizon? Oh, I think that was always part and parcel of our fears, firstly. And um, also, generally during the summer, once the PAC and the media committee had stopped and the summer recess has kicked in and people in RTE were taking their summer holidays, the mood, I would have said, levelled out a bit. Yeah, People were getting on with their jobs, creating content, getting the show on the road and on air. And I think, <clears throat> excuse me, I think since uh, yesterday, and certainly from the mood I've kind of felt from today as well, um, it, the morale is back on the floor, really, to be honest, I think across the board. I've had people stopping the corridor again the last few days saying, you know, where do we go from here? And Kevin Backhurst has been, I have to put my hands up and say, he's been a very approachable director general, probably the most approachable we've had. Mm. I've met him personally on issues because I'm one of the bogus self-employed people. He is very open to staff engagement, which is fantastic. That is one sea change we haven't had before. But many other things face him. He is facing a, facing a tidal wave of problems in the organisation, unfortunately. And I don't know if one man yeah. is able to change the whole culture within the organisation. And is that, that, that morale being as those it is, is it kind of despondency at, at what has happened up until now? Or is it kind of despair at what is likely to come? You know, this... Uh, you know, not just the voluntary redundancy scheme, but the fact that the organisation is is not going to look like it has looked. Yeah, there was talk yesterday we had what we're terming a town hall meeting, one of the TV studios, and that was one of the questions. How will this organisation look? Will we have to work more to put out less, basically, with less staff and less numbers, etc.? There's no clarification on that for sure yet because you don't have the numbers of that might possibly go for a voluntary redundancy scheme. We're glad that it could be voluntary, Kevin said again today, he reiterated it today, he said it yesterday, there isn't the political will, there isn't the the managerial will, I think, to have compulsory redundancies. They're not on the agenda. But still, like, I think we would love the public to still realise we are passionate about public service broadcasting. Public service broadcasting, you'll know this, Karen. every journalist, every member of the public listening knows that there are democracies in the world that don't have good public service media and they're the ones that aren't held to account. It does so much, RT does so much, it does so much well. It does a few things badly, obviously, as well. That's not for everybody's liking. But because we have that public service remit, we can do so many things that other organisations, unfortunately, can't. And that's what's part of this cultural fabric of Ireland, why we exist and why we're imploring the politicians to grasp this nettle, as Leo Varadkar said mm. a few weeks ago, of the licence fee issue. It has to be reformed. And is, is the fear then, beyond kind of people's own personal fears for their, for their job or job security, is the fear that the organisation will lose those things that do provide the public service? So look at something like RTE Investigates or something. A unit like that is very hard to, uh, to, to run in another media organisation here because it effectively runs at a loss. People spend months working on a project 
to come to fruition. Some of them might never come to fruition. Exactly. You might not see the light of day with no. an investigation that's gone on for six months. Exactly. So so that can only happen at somewhere at at at, at some at an organization that is essentially kind of where where they can subsidize it. Yeah. Um, and and is, and is the fear that you lose that Yes, and that you absolutely. just then focus on kind of stuff that's commercially successful. And so you get a lot more dancing with the stars. Not to and not, to not dancing with the stars. And it's place in our society as yeah, much and as I'm not having a go at it. It's no, hugely popular. Exactly. And but you only get that. We are there to create, entertain, engage and inform. That's what public service media across the whole of Europe is there to do. And that's what I would hope that we endeavour to do as staff and continue to do in the face of all this onslaught of controversy. But the problem is, like you say, RT investigates, or in, for instance, I know you guys won with your congratulations on your award. And oh, the, thank you very much. Radio Awards. But we also won in terms of the Black Rock Boys. A documentary like that may not, not have got made or seen the light of day anywhere else than RTE. That kind of uh, content is what, you know, is, is essential to society, really, upholding people to account, as well as informing and engaging, like I say. Uh, I mentioned Finola Doyle O'Neill is with us as well from UCC and a former member of the Future Media uh, Commission. Uh, Finola, when you look at what has happened thus far, um, from the outside looking in, and Kevin Backhurst might say, listen, there's an awful lot more change happening. But from the outside looking in, putting it simply, Ryan Torberley got the sack and it looks like lower paid workers in RTE are going to be asked to sign up to a voluntary redundancy scheme. I mean, it doesn't scream governance reform to me. No, and I think RTE have to stop um looking at um, voluntary redundancies as a sort of panacea for everything. And if you take a look at the at the culture of RT in 2011, they were looking for voluntary redundancies because they were a 30 million deficit. Um, and, you know, they promised that they would put a 30% um, decrease on top earners. You know, that didn't happen and that scheme was oversubscribed to 2017. They were looking for 200 and 300 redundancies. Um, again, this was um, sanctioned by the Department of Public Expenditure and Department of Communication. We have a back then to, here we are, 2021. Uh, again, they were seeking redundancies. Mm. I remember in that year, they were looking for 60, but 73 already transferred over the musicians to the National Concert Hall. And again, that was oversubscribed. So I don't have great faith in what they intend to happen with the voluntary redundancy, because really they're sort of standing still with all of these sort of um, so-called progressive moves and they don't really work at all. So I'm kind of worried about that, number one. Second thing, I thought that, um, you know, what Trevor is saying there, he sounds very buoyant. So of course, there's such a sort of a investment in public service broadcasting. It's really, really important. But I think what is happening really is I've got two theories. Number one, that the Broadcasting Act of 2009, all its provisions are not being adequately used at all by the minister, right? So um, Kevin Backer spoke about, um, you know, having a sort of register of um, accountability, a register of interest. That's already in um, Article 95 of the Code of Conduct in the Broadcasting Act. I mean, that should have been implemented ages ago. I mean, this is nothing new. Um, Section 92 of the Broadcasting Act allows for the um, someone like Dee Forbes, if she won't come in voluntarily, that they can write to her. Now, he mentioned that this morning, Kevin Backhurst, that they should that she should give some written response to their queries. But that's already, the provision is already there. So I don't know why they're not using it, right? And I have a, another theory. I think that more accountability, I know that New Era are coming in and going to give their fiscal oversight and that was one of our recommendations from the future of media. Mm. But you must remember that really the Minister, Minister Martin is doing a good job but she's a huge portfolio and I'm really of the belief that there should be a separate media and communications portfolio. If Because you need to give these this type of issue time. Public service broadcasting in order to be able to thrive in a democracy needs proper oversight and a minister with six or seven other addendums to her portfolio is not going to have the time to do that. Now we saw, for example, um, 
for example, um, Eamon Ryan has um, Jack Chambers and Oshin um, Smith helping him out in his mm. portfolio of climate and environment. So I think there should be a separate portfolio for media and communications and the minister should use all of the provisions of the Broadcasting Act to bring RTE in. She's allowed to take a look at salaries, uh, not recommend them, but she's allowed to be aware of what's happening in terms of superannuation. I'm just worried that this exit scheme again, um, you know, at the moment they're um, in deficit, they're looking for, um, what is it, 60, 61 million, um, 40 million has been sought, but they have to kind of take, you know, to obviously give an overview of how they're going to make those um, yeah. savings mm-hmm. and so forth. But um, Trevor was saying there sounds very optimistic, Trevor, saying that you hope that there's these are voluntary. Um, I think ultimately there might have to be some compulsory. Um, I mean, there's 1,800 staff at the moment. Um, it's already shed over the years. Um, when you look back at 2011. I, do, I would have to clarify there, Fanola, yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. that the organisation is not people heavy. We are doing a lot of, and particularly I would say yeah. this about my newsroom colleagues. Yeah. I don't walk directly in the newsroom. I know in my yeah. area we're understaffed. I know there are shifts that yeah. can't be filled. I know there's on-air time that is now having to go to pre-recorded announcements for continuity, for instance, sometimes. I know in the newsroom in particular, there is a cohort there of the journalists who are pushed to the absolute pin of their collar. They cannot work any harder. They cannot push out content any more creatively or uh, speedily than they already do. The, 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 this kind of image sometimes in the public domain that the RTE is this kind of, you know, utopia being where we all wander around in the canteen but there there are there are though areas of the organisation where they probably are personnel heavy I I don't think so anymore to be honest there are some areas where you will have more probably I mean there's probably areas that I'm not too afraid with that I don't represent like commercial or maybe possibly areas of more management tiers and HR etc I know they're not excessively heavy either so the problem is they have slendered back so much over the years that there isn't much more you can do in terms of there's not an oversubscription of people. In fact, yeah. there's departments crying out for more people. And now this pay... Radio 1 probably has double the amount of people working there on teams than would have here. And we're putting out the same output every day. Well, I don't think Radio 1 is that full hula with people. I recently made a show on Radio 1 with one other person, not even a researcher on this team. I mean, it made a four-part series. So I think that's the kind of economy of people that we're working with these days. Well, it's, 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 it emanates back to the culture that we're talking about. I mean, in 2011, uh, 237 people applied for the voluntary redundancy. I mean, 237 people wanted to leave the organisation. As far back as that, there was a disquiet. So I am saying that we need to, we obviously, as I said, realise the value and the benefit of public service broadcasting. But the other side of it is... You can understand, Trevor, as well, and I'm almost talking through you now, but that there's a sense that, for example, a lot of the, um, the conversation today as well is, was behind sort of legal privilege and kind of legal, legal jargon and litigation privilege. And, you know, you really want to be a great lawyer. Now, I do have a law degree, so I understand it. But like when you take a look at legal privilege, the client is allowed, it's the client is allowed to say whether or not they want to continue with the privilege. So essentially, if D Forbes or Jim Jennings or any of those wanted to tell us what was happening and give us an overview, particularly with the Noel Kelly conversation, they could do so. It's, it's not well, up to the solicitor to decide, it's up to the client mm. to decide, right? So we have, to, so a lot of the legal sort of internecine um, sort of proceedings that are taking place are, are beginning to sort of like obscure an awful lot of the information. I would concur with that. One hundred percent, Finola, because I mean, today was a lot of time was taken up with this note, and the DG hasn't apparently seen it, but still said it was privy to legal privilege. 
uh, Paula was kind of claiming independence within the legal department from the management, even though the politicians were saying, well, you're paid by the organ grinder. You're dancing to the organ grinder's tune, really, at the end of the day. And we still don't know what's, if there's nothing controversial in this note, I kind of saw it from the politician's point of view. Why can't it be released into the domain? This is the the, the kind of famous note uh, from the yes. upper levels of management that kind of precipitated. And it took up far uh, too much the, time the, today. The, yeah. the 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 deal that called all of this yeah. to unravel. Um, it did take up an awful lot of time uh, today. Um, listen, Trevor, thank you for joining us in studio. Trevor Keegan is chair of the RTE subbranch at the National Union of Journalists and Finola Doyle O'Neill is a legal historian at the School of History in UCC and a former member of the Future of Media Commission. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.